Here it comes, the latest people, trends, and news on sustainable living in and around our corner of the country. Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. And now, Mrs. Green. Welcome, everybody. You are indeed listening to Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. And the name of our show tonight is Changing the Power Supply. And there's a lot of information in that little phrase. How do we change the power supply in a world where everybody wants their power? And we're going to be talking about the future of Tucson Electric Power Company's energy portfolio Joining me in studio is Jeff Yaki. He is the manager of environmental and long-term planning. And Jeff, what a big job. And I'm so glad that you're here to give us some insight as to what it's going to take as we continue to shift our sources of energy as the, the climate and the consumer and the government demands. So welcome. I got a lot of questions for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks I know. For having it's, us. it's going to be fun and informative. And, you know, I think it's really important that I start by sharing all of the ways that TEP can listen to find out, to connect with TEP okay. um, for information about a lot of the things we'll be discussing during the show. It's a very content-rich opportunity for the engaged consumers that I have, how they can stay connected for future news and update. So everybody, the website is really tough, TEP.com. <laughs> it's like you can remember three little letters. The Facebook page is Tucson Electric Power. There is a website. Um, the Twitter account is TEP Energy. Very, very robust and constant, really good tweets that you want to stay um, t- you know, connected to. And then I would personally recommend, if you are a TEP consumer and listening to this show, go to the website, tep.com forward slash news, and sign up for Plugged In. It's a newsletter for residential or business, and it's really full of good information as a consumer. And as Mrs. Green, I read my Plugged In every time it shows up in my inbox. So there. Okay, so the plans of the future for energy use, energy consumption, it's such an important topic for our time and for the planet. And as a utility company, you have to deal with the new and ever-changing environmental regulations, emerging technologies, constantly changing. Nothing is stagnant in your world. It's like, it's just... It's an exciting time. It is an exciting time and changing energy needs. All of them are coming at you and continue to face you each and every day. And my guess is they won't go away anytime soon. So to that end, you developed an integrated resource plan. And give us an overview of what is that, what's included the plan and some highlights. Right. So our integrated resource plan is is a requirement from the Arizona Corporation Commission. And we take like a 15-year outlook and say, you know, what is our load going to be? What are our customers going to demand from us over the next 15 years and then how are we going to meet that load you know what what sort of things are we going to put in place to um you know to make sure that you know we have sufficient capacity in terms of our generating resources sufficient um, transmission to make sure that that energy can can get um to tucson and to our customers and how it all fits together and the key is in the most economical way there's there's probably a million paths to that, um, but we're looking for the path that has the uh, that's the most cost effective, so we can keep the, our rates as low as possible. You know, I I doubt that I'll be interviewing you in 15 years because I think I'll be like maybe uh, 
90. <laughs> so I hope I'm not interviewing you. you. I hope I'm sitting somewhere on the beach with my feet up. <laughs> but to imagine knowing how things are changing so fast, I wonder what it's going to look like in 15 years. I mean, how can you predict that with all the changes in technology? But you, you have to do it because right, right. the ACC said you did. <laughs> it, it's a plan, and, and plans um, give you an idea of what the future might right, look like. Right, there's an outline. And then yeah. they, and plans change. Right. So sometimes, you know, you're right, you can't predict what, what, what you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So the things that are going to come in in five years, ten years, it, it may be something that's not even really on the plate right now. So we probably can expect some plan amendments. But, you know, I yes. might be doing it. I might be interviewing you when I'm 90. You never know. Yeah, you don't know. Um, I'm feeling good right now. So <laughs> cost-effective renewable energy resources. What does that mean to the consumer? Well, um, what we're looking for is, you know, increasing the amount of renewables that we're providing to our customers. But we have to do it in a way that, um, you know, doesn't impact the rates too much. Um, right now, um, renewable resources are, they do, they come at a premium. They're a little bit higher cost than some of our conventional resources, our, our coal and our natural gas. Um, but they're coming down. So we're looking for, um, you know, ways that we can get them either through a purchase power agreement or our own build where we can, you know, work them into the portfolio where they, they, they don't impact the rates too much. And, um, for, um, Arizona, really, what we're primarily looking at is solar, which really makes a lot of sense. It does. <laughs> given a lot of, given lot the three hundred fifty days of sunshine, and that's not the same everywhere in the country. I mean, I think if you would ask um, just nationally, um, people point to wind first, and and we do have wind, and we have some some decent wind resources, but um, yeah, we need to bring that in. That that's going to be a little bit more remote from our our load center from Tucson. Um, whereas the the solar we can put you know almost anywhere we get a little chunk of land, put it down and and it's producing energy for us. And barring any unforeseen circumstances, we won't be implementing any wave energy programs here in the southwest. No, hopefully <laughs> I've not. I've done some shows on that, and I mean that's fascinating too. Right? How they're harnessing that. I was at a retreat and I heard a whole presentation on wave energy. So that's at least one you don't have to predict the right. future and, for. And there's there's lots of them. It depends where you are. There's geothermal that, that yes. people are using. Um, but we're really co concentrating on solar. Sun. Really yeah. a good plan. So the ACC, the Corporation Commission, your regulatory entity, requested that you address emerging resource options. What are some of those options? So um, I guess a couple examples are, one is um, small nuclear reactors. Um, I think when a lot of people um, hear about um, nuclear energy, nuclear energy, or they they hear about it, they think about you know real big you know um, power plants, you know like Palo Verde, which is the the largest nuclear power plant in the in the country. Um, but what they've started to develop now are much smaller and modular systems that um, are kind of on the 50 megawatt um, scale. Um, you know, in comparison, our Springerville facility is, um, you know, we have um, two units there that are um, 380 megawatts. So this is much smaller and they're modular. So you can put one down and you put another one, you put another one, and then they're able to build in a lot of the, the safety features passively into those. So that's one example. And, um, and I think really the main one, the one that really rises to the top is energy storage. Um, that, that's, it's emerging and it's really critical for us to incorporate the, the levels of renewable energy that we want to bring in, that we want to be able to deliver. And, you know, it's, I have 
questions in sequence, but I'd like to talk to you again about, I talked to Joe Barrios about it, energy storage to me is like the quintessence of the roadblock, Mm -hmm. because we do have unlimited solar, but the storage issue, have you seen in your 15 years of TEP, are there advances that might catch up like that? I'm going to snap my fingers. So uh, where that's that's a big roadblock to even having more renewable resources available to you as energy sources. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, 15 years ago, no one was giving it any serious thought. I, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there were researchers that were, that were right, working right, that hard were ahead on of it, it but, yes, yeah. but the people at, in our resource planning groups were not, you know, giving it serious consideration because it just wasn't really an option. Um, now it is, and not only is it a serious consideration, um, we've got a couple projects that we're, we're developing right now that um, we will have on online soon, and we will, they're small, um, but we will learn a lot about how that technology works with our grid, you know, how it helps, um, helps us integrate um, the renewables, and basically helps us sort of, you know, do some of the balancing that we do with with other resources right now, including, um, you know, natural gas resources. Right, which is a perfect segue, because you, um, one of the goals is to replace existing coal capacity, which pretty much everybody wants to do. That's one of your goals. So what's the plan for that? So is it solar and natural gas and then coal will be your three major sources or a little bit of wind in there? I think what I would add into that, yeah, there will be um, solar and wind um, would be, um, we would look to both of those in terms of filling the the renewables piece of the pie. Um, the other one is energy efficiency. I mean, we, we really do yes. view energy efficiency as a resource. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, for, what we're trying to do is meet our customers' demand to the extent our com- customers' demand is lower, then, you know, we, then we don't have to build a power plant or, or we don't need, uh, you know, this other um, resource. So that's the other piece. And, and I guess as far as our plan is, um, we're just looking for every opportunity that we can to, um, you know, reduce our use of coal. And we've implemented a couple of them already. I mean, so right here in, in town at our sun generating station, We've eliminated the use of coal at that facility. That that um, at that power plant, we've been burning coal there since the late 80s. It was actually originally built as an oil and natural gas facility. Started burning coal there in the 80s, um, and it it was a very cost-effective unit for us for a long time. But we got to the point where what's happening with a lot of these coal plants is we don't want to invest another you know hundred million or two hundred right. million into them. So when we so come that up they're to, cleaner burning, right, so that right. they're cleaner burning, we've invested in a lot of them, but some of them they reach the point where we say, I think we can find a more cost-effective way to do this by not putting that investment there and putting that investment somewhere else. Yeah, it's like an old hotel. Sometimes it's just better to 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 <laughs> right. to just shut it down and build a new one because you can't do that. Well, that's a, that's really a very good example of it's just not worth it to get it to where it needs to be to meet the standards. Right. Okay, talk to us about the clean power plan. There's all of these things. There's the um, energy resource, the integrated resource plan. What's the clean power plan? What is it? Okay, so the, the clean power plan is it's a, um, it's a rule by the EPA. It's under the Clean Air Act. And essentially what it is is it, it establishes an emission standard for CO2 for power plants, for existing power plants. And there's, there's a separate um, new one, a new... new um, there's a separate emission standard for um, new power plants also. But, um, you know, typically with these emission standards, what, um, what the EPA would do is they would look at a source 
and it, it could be any different type of source, and they would say, okay, well, what 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 technology will help us reduce the emissions from that? And you find some technology and you plunk it at the end of the of the stack, and then voila, you've got lower emissions. With CO2 at power plants, it's much more complicated than that because there isn't really a technology that you can add on at the end that's going to reduce those emissions. There just isn't anything that's, at least that's commercially available and, and cost effective. So really what the clean power plan is takes a step back from that and says, okay, well, what if we just don't generate as much from you know, the, the resources from that, those sources. Okay. That, that are emitting Got CO2 it. and we look to renewables and energy efficiency um, and natural gas, because that has lower CO2 emissions than coal. And really, what, all, what will happen is um, states have to develop a plan about how they're going to meet this, the, the requirements for each state, which we have like a 34% reduction for Arizona, with that combination, renewables, energy efficiency, and switching from coal to natural gas. So that, that's kind of, it's a very complicated um, rule, um, but that's sort of it in a nutshell. And... There is a stay that was issued by the Supreme Court, so there's lots of things going on politically yes. at play. How are you proceeding? Do you think eventually that the courts will say, go, green light? Yeah, I'm not going to make any predictions. Okay. No <laughs> but, crystal ball for that no, no for the next ball, 15 but, years. Um, yeah, there is. Um, you know, EPA can hardly do anything um, without you know, being sued by, um, you know, both the industry side and the environmental side, and, and the Clean Power Plan is no different. So, um you know, that rule is, is going to be litigated, right? The, a stay was issued. So what the stay means is that the states don't are not required to continue down their planning. I mean, that's all the, the compliance obligations that the states have to develop their plan are going to be, um, are, are going to be held until the, the, it works its way through the courts. For us, you know, we, you know, all the things that the Clean Power Plan is asking us to do, we're doing anyways, yeah, we're, we're, we're increasing our amount of renewables. We're increasing our energy efficiency. We're increasing our use of um, you know, efficient um, combined cycle natural gas. And we're backing out of our coal. So we're going to proceed as is. And um, you know, that way we will be prepared. If the clean power plan survives all the litigation, we will be on track to, to meet its requirements. So it's a, I mean, it's a really big, complicated national challenge. And the yes. states, when you have to develop your plan, the clean power plan, or is that was that developed for you? Did they have mandates in it, or did the state develop it and submit it for approval? How did it work? So the the way it'll work is so EPA established um, what they call the best system of emission reductions. Okay, and um, through that, um, through implementing that best system of emission reductions, each state. And um, you know we have units on the Navajo Nation, which right. is treated as a state under under certain Clean Air Act requirements. So each state or tribe has um, a reduction goal that they need to make, they need to meet. And then so that we will have to they will have to do is develop an implementation plan. And then that that's that's re- where really all the pieces will come together. The state will develop this plan. ADQ has been working on their plan. They're really ahead of most of the other states. They've been real proactive in 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 their clean power plan planning, um, 
And so we've been working, they've been working with the utilities, other stakeholders, environmental groups, um, the Corporation Commission to start developing that plan. And that's, that's really where all the, the, the pieces will come together. And then eventually it will be a requirement that, that um, you know, that the utilities, us utilities that have um, the, those types of affected units, um, coal and natural gas um, power plants will have to meet those requirements. Right. Okay. So it's a really big initiative yes. to get us in a little bit better shape it's in terms a mul- of our climate. <laughs> yeah, it's a multi-year plan. So plans are due, you know, barring the stay. Um, th- you know, we were going to have an interim plan in twenty six, in later this year, a final plan in 2018. And then it, it starts being implemented in 2022 through 2030. That's sort of the compliance time frame. But realistically and really, a lot of what you're doing is on top of that game anyway? Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, it's, you're, re- you're not waiting to start doing these things. You're in motion. Right. Well, yeah, we think, um, at least for our utility and even for our state, um, you know, we were sort of moving down that path already. Definitely for, for TEP, we were moving down that path and we'll continue to do that. Right, right. So it's not waiting to see how much you have to do when it's doing things already. Let's talk a little bit more about energy storage and smart grid technologies that can actually improve reliability that help maintain the balance between energy demand and supply. I would love for you to explain to the average consumer, which I love to put my consumer hat on because at the end of the day, that's what I am. What is smart grid technology? Explain that to us. You're an engineer, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I I can answer that. I'll try to give a a high-level view. I mean, um, traditionally... We've been a very um, central power plant focused, um, it's been a very central power plant focused um, um, electric system. Okay. So we have large power plants located somewhere. Then we have transmission that goes out from those large, you know, baseload units. Right. And it gets to a distribution area like a city, like Tucson. And then it goes through the distribution network and it goes, you know, into substations and into homes. And it's a very one-way process. So we're, we're monitoring how much our customers need and we're delivering that power through, you know, through the power plants, through the transmission, through the distribution. And really what Smart Grid at, at its most fundamental level is getting a little feedback, is starting to say, okay, well, maybe the grid can work a couple ways and we can start to you know, find out what our, our customers... Um, needs are and you know get information back from them so that maybe we don't have to put out as much at those exact same times Got it. can drive our, our our reserves a little bit down and then it's also just um incorporating new technologies technologies that are that will monitor how we're how customers are using energy and kind of putting you know putting the power in their hands a little bit to to um monitor their own little grid being their house so that's a good answer. I mean, I actually followed you. It's a complicated piece of... of um, yeah, it is. It goes from A to B to C, and I, I understand. And it's it's not unlike some of the people that I know that have the smart thermostats in the house. No, that's they, part of it. That yeah, really is part yeah, of it, it's right? It's very much applicable to the consumer. Okay, so let's talk about the integrated resource plan um, that's exploring distributed energy resources like rooftop solar what are the challenges and opportunities with that? I mean, it's a big deal. And there are some people that say to me, why don't we have solar on every single rooftop in Tucson? What are some of the opportunities and challenges for that? Yeah, and, and um, you know, 
the 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 initial rooftop solar work that was done and those those customers who who really kind of jumped on early and and put those on really drove that technology and that's and that's a big part of why the costs have come down um for for solar in general but um I guess what we're seeing when we, you know, when we put um, different types of renewables and even the different forms of solar energy in our resource plans, is that um, when you look at the economics, um, the costs don't get driven down as far as far when you're looking at small installations on individual homes. So I, I think that's the biggest challenge right there. Um, now there are some advantages of it because it's you know if you're distributing right there, then you don't have all the you don't have as much transmission and distribution. But what we're finding is if we can build larger community scale um, solar facilities and still have them in and around our, our load center, in and around Tucson, um, you kind of get the benefits of both. You, you significantly reduce um, the, the distribution and transmission um, that, that we used to have to pay to bring it all the way from our coal plants, which are, are all real far away. Um, but you get the economies of scale. And um, so that's, you know, you know, we're really trying to focus on the most cost effective and, and there's going to be a, there'll always be a place for some distributed generation but we really think in order to keep rates as low as possible, um, we're focusing more of our, our energy and our, our financial resources in the community scale um, facilities that are, you know, 5 or 10 or 25 megawatts. And for the distribution for Tucson, and you may not know the answer to this, I mm-hmm. never want to put anybody on the spot, but what is the breakdown of um, industrial or what I would call business energy use versus consumer use what's the breakdown residential versus um sort of our commercial yes commercial um i i guess i i can't say for sure other than um you know residential is still our largest use okay okay but i I don't know the exact proportions but in some cases like i'm working with the tucson water department for them going to some of the bigger industrial and larger facilities that have intensive water use it makes sense to work with the commercial side to try and bring down our water consumption as well. So that's where I was going right. with that. To yeah. See. And so and you're right. I mean, the economies of scale. Um, it's not a. It's not a bright line. It, it's a gradual thing. So you will get a little more economy scale at a commercial um, type facility, um, but you still won't get as much economy of scale as you know one facility that maybe everybody is kind of paying into. And is um, and you get a lot of economy of scale there, and, and something. Um, it's just more cost effective when you can get up in like ten or you know twenty five megawatts, which I don't think there are really any customers other than maybe the mines that could you know that could um, take on that kind of a, of a right. load. That's a big load. Right. <laughs> That's really right. a big load. Okay. So in the big picture of moving, and maybe we we touched on this, but of cleaner, more renewable energy sources, and not placing more demands on the grid. Can you talk a little bit? We're going to do a whole show on the energy efficiency programs that have been aggressively implemented. What kind of impact are you seeing in terms of numbers? Do you have a feel for that one? Because I'm really going to get into that. It, to me, it's most one of the most exciting things that TEP is doing. Right. Well, I guess in terms of numbers, what you know historically what we had seen, and and in my group uh, in the resource planning, um, our challenge was that we were seeing, um, you know two and three percent load growth year over year and then maybe even higher um you know three or four percent peak load growth you know and then peak load is is how many 
you know, what's the total capacity of all the power plants you have to have in your portfolio to meet that, that, you know, that one hour of the year when, when everybody's running everything. So, um, you know, that was sort of, you know, that, that was our, our, our struggle. That was our challenge is how do we you meet that? And now we're just not seeing that. I mean, um, you know, kind of off the tail end of the recession, when things started, economy started picking up, you would sort of expect that so would load growth, and it really hasn't. So it's remaining relatively flat, and we think that's largely because of the success of our of our energy efficiency programs and, and our customers, you know, um, doing their part and, and sort of providing that as a resource and, and at the same time reducing their electric bills. And, you know, the thing that came to me as you were talking that I think is a really important piece for our listeners and for me as a consumer to really bring to the discussion is this is about partnerships because your consumers have a part in that too. Us, in, you know, as the consumer, reducing our energy use, changing out to CFL or LED light bulbs, all of those things that we can do it's not just about TEP fixing the amount of dirty coal they're burning. It's a matter of what can I do to reduce the overall energy consumption. Right. And, and thinking of it, I like to think of, of partnerships. It's one of my favorite words. So it's not just about what you can do to make it better, but what can I do to make it better? Right. Yeah. And we, we see it the same way. We, we do see it as a, as a partnership. And, um, and I, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, as far as the, um, the the renewables you know you can if you really want to do something you can put um, renewables on your home on your roof or you can be part of a community that's you know that's doing a lot in terms of solar um, be, you know because of what TEP's initiatives are and so we can help our customers sort of meet their their goals and and their the things that they want to accomplish both through energy efficiency and through renewable energy right right. Let's talk a little bit about the consumer. Well, before we get to that, I have another question okay. that came to me while you're talking. In in this huge challenge that we face as a country, does TEP do you do you collaborate or consult with other similar you know companies? I know TEP is is unique in that it's it performs not just the supply but it sources right, sourcing right. it. So I I mean. <laughs> Right. Does that make sense yes, to everybody yeah, out there? I mean, the, the, the industry term is we're an integrated utility, yes. so we have generation, transmission, and distribution. We, we provide you do it everything all. All, the way, all the way through. Right? You do it all. And a lot of them just are just transmission, and a lot of them are just supply. So you have a, you have a, you've got right. to cover all those bases, right. correct? Right. Yes, you do. Right. So um, one a conference I went to um, several months, months ago, it was 10 cities that were picked for really and truly to become kind of environmental showcases for what mm -hmm. they're doing. And one of the most important things the presenter made to me was what they're doing is getting together as cities and working collaboratively, mm -hmm. learning what they can do, what this city did. Oh, we, we already tried that and it didn't work, or we already tried this and it didn't work. Do you have the opportunities to do that with other companies? Yeah, yeah, there's... there's um different organizations that we belong to. There's the Electric Power Research Institute, which is doing a lot of the um, work to sort of bring utilities together and and through kind of collaborating in, in their funding, sort of um, try to move um, so technology important. development forward. Um, and and I think it's just, so that's on a little bit more formal basis. And then just informally, you know, that that's, that's, Part of everybody's job is to sort of know what our peers are doing, you know, learn from our peers, 
you know, exchange ideas um, both in our generation side and then also in our um, in the transmission and distribution side. Um, we need to do that, and then we also need to work with our regulators. You know, we we are regulated. By, there, are, there are those regulators yes, as, as a <laughs> vertically integrated utility. Um, you know, the corporation commission gives us a lot of the direction. Um, so we got to work with them and make sure that we're we're meeting their objectives. Yes, you have to answer to many masters, right. and a lot of them are sometimes all speaking to you at once right, and right. wanting really good answers. Right. So good luck with that, yes. Jeff. I'm really happy that it's you, not me. Okay, we have a, what, about one minute left for you to answer this, so okay. I'll get the question out quickly. You've been involved with TEP for 15 years. Mm-hmm. How do you describe the changing role of the consumer, their involvement, their knowledge? Do you see big changes? Oh, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, frankly, I think it used to be, um, you know, utilities, a utility like TEP, um, you know, is a monopoly, and I, I think in there was a time when we operated like that, and that that's just not gonna cut it anymore. I mean, I think we're we're very much more focused on earning our customers, um, and and making them part of um, of these solutions, um, and and do that a couple ways. One is just by increasing their awareness. You need to make sure that that they know what the options are, and that that's incumbent upon them, and it's also incumbent upon us. And then just working together and finding solutions that, that you know, we have a very diverse customer base. So it, it's kind of a challenge trying to meet our customers' needs because one customer's needs are not necessarily the other customer's needs. Right. But if we all um, can kind of, you know, communicate, um, we can try to do that. What a great note on which to end. I mean, you have many masters and you have to keep them all relatively right. happy. Good luck with that. Our April 16th show, very excited. Mike Crimmins and Zach Guido, University of Arizona, to talk about El Nino. Everybody's talking about El Nino. It's going to be a great show. And our down to earth um, is Wendy Worden, TEP Corporate Philanthropy. So, Jeff, thank you for being with us. It was very informative, and time did fly. Make it a great green week, everybody. Thanks for being a part of Mrs. Green's World.